listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Construction Big Breakfast. My name is Aidan Bourne, and I'm going to be your host today. And joining me today is Tyler from Monograph. So, Tyler, welcome. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Would you like to uh, just introduce yourself briefly? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Aiden. Uh, appreciate it. I'm very excited to be here on the uh, Construction Big Breakfast podcast here. Uh, my name is Tyler Sumala. Um, I work on the business development team at Monograph, which is an operations um, kind of management tool for architecture firms. Um, but I have a background in architecture. I've been in it for about the last decade or so. I have a bachelor's and master's in architecture. I uh, worked in firms small and large and even ran my own little practice for a little bit too before jumping over to the technology side of things and and, and making use of uh, of my experience here, where I feel like I can have a larger impact and more than just one firm at a time. Very good, very good. Well, look, you're very welcome. Um, we have a tradition on this podcast where, with it being the Big Breakfast podcast, we we do ask, uh, "What did you have for breakfast this morning?" <laughs> I see. I don't <laughs> want to disappoint all of the all of the breakfast aficionados here um but i'm an intermittent faster i don't know oh, if i'm the only one here right so i actually don't typically eat until noon um so this morning for breakfast i had um exercise and a lot of water it's <laughs> about I, that's uh, about what i've had yeah i i, I also am a intermittent faster so yeah similarly mm. to you, exercise and black coffee so i don't know if yeah. that's cheating the system I can, but yeah 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 i can i can excite the other anyone that likes breakfast by saying that unfortunately for me my uh wife and uh toddler son had pancakes for breakfast so i did have to smell that while i was um <laughs> i was exercising <laughs> and drinking water this morning because why not very good. Yeah. Very good. As any intermittent faster will understand. Um, yeah. They have a family that doesn't join in on their fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I think it was a couple of months ago I started following you on LinkedIn. You were putting out some really good content on kind of the business development side of running an architecture practice. And I thought it'd be really good to get you on board, see what's happening on that side of the Atlantic in terms of architecture practice and, uh, and how they're winning work. So, um, just talk to me a little bit about the, the, the sorts of content you're putting out and the types of uh, topics that you're covering. Yeah, well, I will say if I've learned anything, I've been I've just become more active on LinkedIn beginning this year. Right. So okay. we're basically six months into it. And I feel like if I've learned anything, it's that architecture challenges seem to be universal, um, despite I, me, you know, assuming that it was maybe only um, my Americanized version of what I thought the challenges were of architecture. Um, yeah. Now speaking to people all throughout the world, um, it seems to be relatively consistent um, yeah. and uniform. Um, but in my business development role, essentially what I get to do is is talk to uh, endless architects, uh, mostly firm owners and principals, um, about the challenges that they're facing in their practice. Um, so what I generally talk about um, are findings from those conversations, like what are the common challenges that I'm seeing among architecture firms, and then yeah. the big realization for me and basically switching, I essentially switched from running my own little sole proprietorship um, into being in a business development role at yeah. Monograph. And what I very quickly realized was that I uh, did a terrible job at business <laughs> development when I was running my own practice um, ah. because I didn't, I, I don't think I realized 
how important business development was and yeah. how large of a difference it can make just from basically making a little bit of an effort and and um, to to understand some of the challenges that your client might be facing before you jump into it. Interesting. And what 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 do you think some of those errors were in when when you were running that practice? So there was a few. Um, one was that I was primarily like I didn't have a system set up for business development, right? So yeah, you know, when you're starting a practice, the first that first project kind of comes in a little bit from like connections, word of mouth, you know, things like that that happen. And then it's two months, you're two months into working on that first project and you realize there's only a month left. Um, you haven't you haven't brought in any more work and then you kind yeah. of have that oh crap moment of I how how do I do this? Like where do I go? Uh, where do I find yeah. more work? Um, so understanding like the different basically, you know, it's essentially like building pipelines. Yeah. Um, and I think there's three different pipelines that are pretty easy to to manage um, no matter what size firm you have. Um, and it's just a matter of kind of organizing them. So one is obviously like the word of mouth, which I consider to be referrals. So you yeah. you you nurture that by doing good work um, is the first step of that. But the second step of that is just honestly like asking um, yeah. your clients who you've done good work for um, if they know if anyone is interested in uh, you know working with an architect or simply asking for them to write a review. Because this is, yeah. I mean, it's 2022, and despite the fact that most architecture <laughs> firms don't let, don't like to accept the fact that so much happens online, um, yeah. a ton happens online. Um, and so at the end of all of my projects, for example, I just, I would offer to take off, you know, 100 bucks for my invoice if they yeah. wrote a review online uh, for Google. And, nice. you know, within a couple of months, I was the most reviewed and had the highest reviews like in my local area, which translated oh, wow. to a ton of inbounds coming in um, yeah. just from making a small difference because uh, you get a lot of action coming in. You know, that was mainly through I think it was on it was just like Google reviews. Um, yeah. So, you know, depending on the size or the scale of your firm, the type of work that you do, it really does benefit you to have those reviews and it can make a pretty big difference. Massively. And I think uh, even if we. There's a lot of talk about B2B and B2C buying, kind of the way in which we buy becoming more similar. And I th yeah. like you say, get those reviews up online. People can do their own research before they start to engage with you, and it's going to be a smoother process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what was the second and third? Yeah, so the second one kind of relates to that first one, right? It's, it's marketing and inbound. So that's essentially... Um, you want to get more traffic into your website or more traffic onto your phone line in some way. So that can happen through those Google reviews. That can also happen just from um, kind of being clear um, yeah. on your website about what it is that you do and making it really easy to reach out to you. Um, everyone knows you get a huge mix of inbound, right? Like there's there's definitely a qualifying moment that has to happen there. Yeah. Um, but I would rather have to, you know, uh, have be too busy qualifying deals than be out there trying to find uh, additional projects. Oh, 100%. You know, so, uh, yeah. That's a good problem to have if you're if you're in that moment where you need to be choosing which ones, yes or no, you want to continue following up with. Um, that's <laughs> that's a good problem to have. And the last one is outreach is is essentially outbound, right? So um, these are ones that firms don't like chatting about. So that can be like, you know, you have the, the RFPs, which I'm not personally a huge fan of, but like depending yeah. on 
the scale of your firm, the size of the work that you do, this this changes drastically, right? If you're talking to a large international firm, I honestly don't even know what what outbound strategy looks like. But yeah. if you're if you're talking about you know um, firms of less than 50 or less than 20 doing a mix of residential and commercial work, um, for me it was as simple as looking at who were the builders, who are the builders in my local area. Um, yeah. calling them up or in like a 50, 100 mile radius, calling them up and asking them if they have an architect that they're working with and what they think about, you know, uh, yeah. the architect that they are, the architects that they've been working with, if they, if they need yeah. additional help. And just from doing that, I was able to generate a few other pipelines, um, so that when they got work, because I don't know what I realized was what you learn in school is that you become an architect and people come to you. Um, which is maybe true in large cities. Um, I I was personally like doing a sole proprietorship in a, in a smaller town. Right. So when people think, oh, I want to build something, I want to do something, they go to a builder. Uh, they don't go to an architect first. They don't think to look for an architect because they don't even realize that there's architects around. So like I needed to develop and nurture relationships with builders who needed architects, um, to do the drawings and do the design. Yeah. So let's right the first two I think everyone's well aware of and there's a lot of practices that put some great pictures on their website previous projects and hope that that's going to kind of generate inbounds but the reality is and this is my personal opinion that all inbounds are generated from some form of outbound activity it can't just sit there passively so how do you actually get I know you said you kind of pick up the phone and and ring local firms was that's yeah, that can be jarring, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so actually, my favorite, my favorite types of posts that I see online sometimes, or even you know, when you're in threads for, for architecture firms, um, <laughs> you're in conversations with architecture firms. Is the conversation that's like, um, calling, calling is bad, cold calling is bad, don't do it. Um, yeah. Those are my favorite types of messages to see uh, because that just makes it so much easier for people like me or for anyone that's just willing to pick up the phone and call someone. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, stigma attached to this idea of a cold call uh, yeah. being like having some kind of negative connotation. Um, but I'm not, I'm not um, selling them something that they don't need, ideally, right? Sure. I'm not trying to force someone into something uh, that's not going to be mutually beneficial um, for yeah. them. I'm honestly just like calling to inquire and you don't even have to think about it as selling your services. I'm just asking them, hey, how how's it going with the architects that you're working with? Yeah. Um, and just start a conversation. You get a pretty good sense, you know, not too long into that call um, if they're happy or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can kind of direct the conversation based on that. But I mean, that was, I didn't even know how to, I didn't even know how to make a cold call when I had, done it before you know I was just calling and I was really hesitant and I was like hey I'm like I just started my practice um I'm calling some of the local builders um wondering if they're wondering if they're looking for an architect or if they have any architects that they're working with and that was I mean that alone was enough I mean people are pretty receptive like is you got to tell them why you're calling up front um yeah. but that was without me really even knowing how to make a cold call and it worked out it worked out just fine um, well, it, it probably didn't sound like a cold call, so it probably right. worked really effectively. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, because it's not really a cold. I mean, a, a, to me, a cold call is like you're calling someone that you're not sure if it's a good fit, that you know yeah. doesn't know you, and that you're even trying to like qualify on the phone. But yeah. you can, you can, you know, quote unquote, you can warm that up 
just by knowing that, hey, they're a builder, they work on residential projects, yeah. and they're in your local area. So immediately you're already like, okay, well, they're, they're, it's applicable to me. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be interested in talking about someone else in their area that's in the same industry that's doing the same things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as, as you say, you, you you know that your service is going to be of use. Yeah. So pick up the phone and just, just have that conversation. So yeah. what sort of technology were you using in order to kind of, I would say, maybe build these lists, then understand that data? understand what's moving through your pipeline was that was there tools you were using well so when i was when i was doing my own practice i again i wasn't even aware that what i was doing was business development i was just trying to yeah. find work right in that sense um so i didn't have a way of tracking it now i realize you know in in a specifically being in a business development role at monograph there's tools that can make a significant difference um and the easiest way to make a significant difference i think in your business development is just like having a CRM and yeah. there's so many great ones out there um, at a certain point like we were, we were just chatting before we hit record right so I feel like if you're if you're talking to more than 10 or 20 like potential projects it's time to get off of a piece of paper or get off of a spreadsheet and get into a CRM um, that's going to make it a lot easier to track leads and yeah um, and you just break those down based on you know you have a you have certain buckets that you're placing leads into depending on where they're at in the process, right? You might have leads that just came in that you still need to qualify versus yeah. ones that you've qualified um, that you're beginning negotiations with uh, versus ones that are, you know, you're in negotiation with them and you're just trying to get them to sign the contract. Um, and those are very, like, those are all very different processes. And if you don't know, how many are in negotiation if you don't know how many firms you're qualifying if you don't know these things you have no way to forecast your future you have no way to understand if you're going to need to need to bring on additional talent you have no way to even know if what you're doing on the business development side is working or not yeah um so it's one of these things where like if you if you're not tracking it if you're not measuring it you, there's no chance of you improving it there's just no chance and crms make that so much easier to track and understand iterate improve um, yeah. and can have a massively positive impact on, on your firm. I think the other thing that we, we've certainly seen over the years is that uh, construction projects are fantastic places to build networks. You're forced into a room. You'll be sat around the table with an engineer, a contractor, another architect, whoever it is, and storing those relationships in a system where you can find them is so valuable to you as a business. And actually, if you don't have that, you know, we've got people that we've worked with where they've got 14 different spreadsheets with different contact with contacts across all of them. It, it, it's not located anywhere. It's not useful. You can't do anything with the data. Um, and having that store of data is just absolutely critical. That's such a great point. I, I actually never thought about that, but it, it reminds me of um, architects are, uh, I'm speaking, I know that we, and know that you're generally in the AEC, right? I'm thinking specifically of architects just because I uh, yeah. am an ex-architect. I speak specifically with architects, but um, there's this double-edged sword with architects, which is that they're all uh, very, you know, intelligent. They're very educated. Um, but the double-edged sword, the, the backside of that is that they believe they can store everything in their head, yeah. Um, yeah. right? So I'm talking to architects. I'm asking them, hey, how do you like how do you know if your project's profitable or where your projects are at? And they're like, oh, I have a sense for it. Like I'm, 
<laughs> walking around the firm, I'm asking, you know, I can, I can see where things are at. Well, how do you know when you need to hire someone? Uh, you know, I can feel it out. It's like, you know, it's like there's based on it's it's all very emotional, right? I'm I'm feeling things out. I'm doing these things. Um, best thing you can do for your practice and your employees is get it out of your head, get it yeah. into something else, um, because you have enough to think about and enough to worry about. Like you want to focus, you know, architects want to focus on design. Um, they don't want to be focusing. I mean, there are some that like enjoy uh, focusing on business development, and some some firms will break down their principles in that way, but yeah not a reliable strategy to keep it in your head it's not going to work no it's not and and not having someone well. yeah so having someone devoted to business development in our experiences is pretty rare uh it's it's often kind of left to people to get on with you know these people in this sector you know these people you know what's going on with them but it it hasn't necessarily got a defined strategy which means it it just falls down that priority list because yeah. there's more pressing things I think yeah, I mean there's there's definitely a source of that, right? It's like in in our architectural. Uh, do you have a background in architecture, Aiden, or in? in I'm, so I'm a I'm a geologist by background, but I've okay, worked perfect. in the construction industry. Yeah, yeah almost. Definitely. Okay, got it. That's awesome. Um, I mean, in the background, in in the educational background of architects, you know, it's not heavily business is not very heavily weighted, which every architect yeah. will tell you, and which you see me probably uh, talk about relatively frequently online. And so you're getting into what, why are you getting into architecture when you go to school for it? You're getting into it for design yeah. 99% of the time. Um, yeah. So then after you get out of school, um, you start working at firms, um, you start moving up in that firm, and then you realize there's a business component to architecture. You're just generally not as attracted to it uh, because yeah. you didn't, you didn't come into architecture for that. So um, firm owners um, and principals as if you you know as you find team members that are more attractive to those things you should latch on to them yeah. um nurture them um because they're they're just they're just rare honestly as as you know um they're rare yeah. in the industry so you have to um capitalize on them when you when you have them in your firm you do and i, I think also it comes down to just to bring it back onto crm systems for a moment but you a lot of the lack of business development activity is led by uncertainty on how you actually go about doing it but if you have a system that tells you, right, these are the people we need to stay engaged with, let's come up with an action plan on how we can actually do that, it makes it much simpler for everyone. You can say, yeah. right, I'm going to give you these five people over the next month. I need you to go and see them. That's much more manageable than can you go and find some work? Yeah. <laughs> right. Not only that, I mean, it can be brainless. In the sense, I mean, you can, yeah. you can build sequences for yeah. nurturing your people. I, I have someone, you know, I have this bucket of people that... Um, they're not ready to start for a couple of months. The yeah. best method there isn't to not chat with them for a couple of months. It's to send them something every couple of weeks and say, hey, here's a project that we're doing that's relatively similar to that. Um, you know, here's here's projects that we've done that are similar to this. Excited to chat with you in a couple of weeks. Like you're you want to keep them warm and keep them interested because there's no bigger killer of uh, projects and deals than time. Yeah. Um, so you want to minimize the amount of time between when they essentially remember you yeah yeah and how how's the social selling going for you has, has it been effective you mean like on on linkedin yeah because you're saying it's kind of something relatively new yeah 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 relative i mean from the standpoint of like building a network and building relationships it's been huge like uh yeah i i don't think i could have imagined um six months in having like having built so many great relationships 
Um, you know, the podcasts are one thing, um, but I've, I think I've, I've probably taken 10 or 15 conversations with, with really incredible people like off oh, cool. of LinkedIn, you know, in, into chats, um, just understanding, you know, just met a lot of amazing people in the industry and getting into conversations with them. And that's just like putting aside the, obviously the, the pipeline that I've built for myself on, on the yeah. monograph side um, of firms that just come to me because they know that I'm on business development at monograph and are, and are interested in improving their operations, you know? So, um, yeah. it's, it has had, you know, multiple benefits. Yeah. Interesting. And then just taking it through past kind of work, wedding on to kind of the delivering of work, operational side of things. What, what are you seeing there when you're talking to these owners of, of firms? Yeah. Like what are the operational challenges I'm seeing? Yeah. 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 The biggest ones are just that it's, you know, it's disorganized is, okay. is it would probably be the best way to describe it. So you have firms that like they want, they want to understand uh, their projects. They want to track their project performance. Um, they want it to be easier for them to staff out for the week ahead and yeah. know how much remains on each budget for each person, you know, so the most challenging processes, I think that the firms, um, have on a regular basis are staffing for sure is like the top one i don't i don't mean hiring which is that's yeah. a separate one um yeah but yeah. i mean like literally how are you assigning who's working on what for the upcoming week and distributing yeah. those hours um in a in a balanced way um yeah. that's a huge challenge that i think architects face and i think the other one is just um giving leadership and you know pms um visibility into project performance yeah. so usually when i'm chatting with firms it's they they might be using a few different systems a mix of a mix of a platform with some personal spreadsheets with some like task management thing and they're they're doing the best they can to like how do i how do i like possibly manage all of the components of a project um so the biggest thing that monograph help was, and and I think you know it's not the only one. There's there's other options too, but the biggest thing that you can do is get all of those processes into one platform. Yeah. Um, consolidate your data into one system, and that makes such a huge difference because then you have reliable data. You have one yeah. place that you need to look to find it, and you don't have to walk around the office check in with your PMs on their personal spreadsheet that you have to like peer over their shoulders and look at to get an understanding of what project performance is at. Um, so it's like, it's a little mix of, you need something that's easy to use. You need, um, you need to have habits in place in your firm so that you can rely yeah. on your employees to, you know, add their time, update this, these things so that you're not finding out at the end of the month. Um, when you're building those invoices that you, you know, are 25% over on your schematic design phase, which is also not uncommon at all. You know, this is, you know, 95% of the firms I'm chatting with are basically struggling with all of these things. Their data is all over the place. They're only finding out when they go to invoice that things are, you know, beyond what they wanted them to be. Um, yeah. And they're struggling to get their team to adopt something that usually isn't easy to use or that they just don't even understand um what the what the value of it is I, I mean adoption is critical isn't it because yeah. as you say if you're getting those reports at the end of the month it, it, by that point it's too late it's too late yeah it's it's this difference of being proactive rather than being reactive and right now 
99% of firms are reactive. And that's not just on the operations side. I mean, that's on business development as well, right? You're just waiting yeah. for something to come in and then you're reacting it, being reacting to it. So being proactive is like doing that, doing those outbound things, or yeah. even like when they come in, it's just like the discovery process, like we were chatting about earlier. Like there's just, if, if you can get into a proactive state rather than a reactive state, you are significantly ahead of the competition right now. 100%, 100%. Uh, I, I'm, do you know what? I think that's actually a perfect way to, to finish that, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, of course. That, that, that is a great, uh, yeah, everyone needs to be a lot more proactive than they are. Um, so, Tyler, where can people find you to, uh, to follow your, your posts and your information and learn a bit more about Monograph? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the best place to find me, as Aiden kind of uh, alluded to at the beginning, is on LinkedIn. Um, that's where I'm most active. I'm really not active anywhere else. Um, I post every morning um, on LinkedIn um, on just under Tyler Sumula. And then if you want to find more about Monograph, you can just go to monograph.com. Um, but I will uh, leave it with, um, because I know you mentioned this at the beginning, a lot of the listeners here are from the UK. So apologize for my uh, for my Americanism here, but um, we're not quite uh, working in the UK yet. So it's primarily just for US-based firms. Yeah. And we will put your links in the footer of the, uh, of the YouTube video so people can find them there if they would like to see them. But yes. Tyler, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, I had a great huge pause. No, I had a yeah. terrible time. No, I'm just I, I had a really great time, Aiden. I really appreciate it. And then, uh, likewise to you, to the listeners, I love to like. I really love to open up conversations on on LinkedIn. So, um, comment on my post, uh, reach out to me, shoot me a message on LinkedIn as well. Love to chat with you all. Brilliant, perfect. And uh, yeah, thanks to all you listeners. Uh, if you did enjoy this episode, please hit the like and subscribe button, and uh, we'll see you back next week for another episode. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.